All right, all right, all right. Yeah. We, Here are we are back, everybody. Welcome back to the Text Lab. I'm with the one and only hey, Jake Manfredi. It's Jake. Yeah, it's Jake joining the pod today from the green room at Vintage Grace Church. You're listening to the Text Lab podcast. Right. Jake. Oh, it's a special day, actually. It is a special it day. It is your birthday. It is my Happy birthday. birthday. Thank man. you. Yep. Yeah. The big, uh, the big twenty-five is here for me. Yeah, there you go. There, there, there it is. Go. It's, uh, it's, it's a good day. But it's, it's a good day. This isn't a podcast about about my birthday. This is a podcast sure. about Romans, where each week we dive into the text to help you dive deeper into God's word. Our goal is simple: to help you be a disciple who makes disciples. So whether you're leading a life group, just trying to do some deep diving on your own. We hope the text lab helps you have a meaningful study, reflection, and conversation about what God has said to us in his word. Let's dive in. We are in Romans 2, 17 through 29. Take it away, Jake. All right, here's what it says, starting in 17. It says, Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Verse 25 says, Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. So then, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you, who, even though you have the written code in circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Okay, so many things happening in this text. So good. Uh, Paul repeating a lot of the same themes that he's been hitting for the last few weeks, if you've been following along with us in this Roman series, and kind of again coming back to this place where he's really laying out this uh, clear and distinct level playing field that everybody is in the same place, everyone is sinners before God, and really... You know, you, let's start with thinking about their town, of like what would have been going on there. Really, if you were a Jew, you would have assumed that you had salvation because of your Jewish heritage, because of your Jewish ethnic background. And I think that's an important piece to really understand as we approach this text, um, because that's kind of the same thing that Paul is hitting over and over again all throughout chapter two. Even at the end of chapter one, he's just really coming in strong on the Jews of you're not saved just because you're a Jew. And so mm. for us to kind of like jump into their town, we have to really understand that would have defined everything about how they live, that they would have thought, I'm good because I am a Jew. Totally. And even looking at how like 
that affects the way they treat Gentiles too, because he's, you're saying the right thing, like leveling the playing field. He goes back and forth between like making sure the Gentiles know that they're sinners and making sure the Jews know that they're sinners. Like we are all sinners here. Which I love that point, Jake, because think about what that would have been like in their church. Yeah. Right. Like think about if you walked into Vintage Grace Church and there was this half of the people had Mm -hmm. some sort of like special jacket on, some sort of special star or, you know, some sort of thing, something that marked them in a way that said like, I mean, we'll get there about those markets a little bit later, but something that would have said, I am elite in this community. And that was the cause of so much division in their local church community, in the Roman church, this Jewish and Gentile conflict. And it makes sense why there would have been so much conflict. If half the people at VG felt like they were saved just because of their history and their special choosing by God, Mm. and the other half weren't because of that same way, um, you would have been dealing with a lot of status and a lot of um, conflict because of that. And I think that's really what Paul is trying to level that playing field in that way. Totally. And if you even look at like, the way the the history of the Jews as well, like thinking through the Old Testament and the amount of years that they've spent with their traditions and like looking through Abraham and where they've come from, the many salvations that God has given them. Like it's not just a jacket. It's like it's a uh, it's their their identity, like yeah. them as a people group. They are like God's people. And so there's pride in that. There's mm-hmm. like we are God's people. We are circumcised or whatever uh, as a sign of that. And so I'm sure there's a ton of pride on their side where they're like dude, who are they to like be grafted into this now? You know, um, we have these years upon years, like hundreds of years of being God's people. Yep. Yep. And that's one of the main things we'll continue to see Paul address here is unity in the book Mm, of Romans. A lot of people think about Romans as this big theological document, which it is, but Paul's talking about theology to address very particular issues and very particular conflicts that were happening, not just vertically, but horizontally in the relationships. And a lot of times we separate those two things, the vertical and the horizontal, and they just never can be separated. Paul's level the playing field saying, no matter if you're a Jew, no matter if you're a Gentile, all are guilty. And really coming um, after them pretty strongly saying, even though you know all these things, you say you're an instructor, you say you're a teacher of little children, um, you say that you have the law, the knowledge and truth, but you're not following it. You who teach others, why don't you teach yourself? Um, you who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say don't commit adultery, do you commit adultery? And he's he's implying um, an accusation there that they do those things as well. And so really just pulling out this point that every single person is broken. They are depraved. Every single person is a sinner that needs forgiveness, that needs justification before God, which I think is kind of as we think about what that means for our town, even in that first section, I think that's Paul's kind of point there is that every single person is a sinner. Totally, dude. And like that has to be the connection, especially in life groups to be like, okay, we're moving from their town to our town to say like, oh, actually I'm guilty just the same. It's so easy to point the finger. And we saw that I think in the last couple of weeks of just like, no, he makes that transition from saying them to you, right? And like yep. in uh, verse one, um, to say like, no, actually we need to apply this to ourselves. Um, it is the premise for the first three chapters. And we have to be able to say, no, actually I'm I'm not better than these people around me. There's yep. a comparison game for sure. And, and I think that is one of the most significant distinguishing marks of a biblical community mm. of a church that actually is marked by the gospel is that there's this this uh, this unified humility in the community. 
because mm-hmm. everybody knows that they are a sinner. Everybody knows that they have not yeah. earned salvation on their own, that that this isn't a competition about who can be the best. It's actually a competition about who can be honest, that you are desperate, dependent. Mm-hmm. That boasting you, in weakness. Yeah, yeah that you're 100%. boasting in your weakness, that you need the gospel. And um, that's part of, I think, what a community as a local church that looks so different than any other community in the whole world, because where else is there a community that's striving for that? Humility. And that's what's attractive, really, yeah. is when people come in and they see like a life group that is full of people who are like, yeah, actually, this week was really hard. Yeah. And then to yep. see people rally around and say, yeah, it was really hard. Or like, yeah, let's walk with you in this. Yep. Um, that's what's attractive. And that's what is like fitting the need that we have mm. in, in who we are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Paul keeps going there. And then in the next few verses, he, he addresses circumcision um, and he yeah, connects he it to what was just said. And I think it's important to talk a little bit about just what circumcision would have meant mm. if you were a Jew. Um Basically, as Jake, you mentioned earlier, this was their entire Jewish identity was built on circumcision. We're going to see this pop up in Romans 14 again when Paul's talking about circumcision and eating food sacrificed to idols and the Sabbath. These are a few of these markers that would have distinguished a Jewish person from every other person in the world is that they were circumcised. And as you said, there's this thousand plus year history that is connected to this going all the way back to Abraham, um, going all the way back to their unique election and covenant with God that they were circumcised. And now Paul comes out pretty strong and says, hey, your circumcision, it doesn't have value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you basically condemn yourself because you're not keeping the law. And really, um, kind of coming on really strong, attacking their entire Jewish identity, um, and and saying it's not about just being circumcised. Totally, dude. He's attacking, bro. He is on the attack, and it's great. And I'm sure it's shaking up so many different things. No wonder he's getting thrown in prison, man. Like. <laughs> Obviously he is, you know, because people are either going to be humbled by it or they're going to, um, like, be very, very upset. I love that you say that because one thing that we don't often do is read one passage of scripture at the same time with other overlapping passages of scripture and align some timelines here. But if you go read the book of Acts and think about him writing Romans or some of the um, uh, pastoral epistles or some of these other pieces while these things are happening Mm -hmm. in the book of Acts, um, he is getting thrown in prison pretty much left and right regularly because of what he's saying to the Jews. And it makes sense why he's getting uh, thrown in prison. Sometimes we read those and we're like, oh man, all these people hating on Paul. Like, why are they so mean? And it's like, no, Paul is coming out so strong against their identity um, against the way they thought about salvation as a whole. And he's really, he's teeing them up for what he's going to continue to develop in chapters three, four, five, and six, where salvation doesn't happen because of your ethnic background. It doesn't happen because of some sort of special privilege. It doesn't happen because of some sort of special status, but it happens because we are broke, broken, weak, needy sinners. We're depraved. Something is fundamentally broken in our hearts and only Christ can come down and rescue us. And you have to recognize that before you you can be saved, before you can be saved. I think in our culture, a lot of times people just think, I'm a good I'm a good person. I don't need this. And that often can be a hindrance of keeping them from God. Totally. Like there the, when he says you need a circumcision of the heart, I often think like that 
what is the circumcision of the heart? That's a heart that is softened towards God. And mm. that is something that only happens through the spirit, right? It's not something that we can do. And what it results is that humility. And so when we look around here in our town, like a, a lot of, I think what gets in the way is that comfort level too. Just yeah. saying like, why would I need God? I'm actually doing pretty good. Like, yeah. don't push that at me. I'm, I've got the car. I've got the two and a half kids. I've got the dog and the cat. You know, like yes. I'm living a comfortable life. I don't have a need for this. Who are you to come now and say, no, actually you're a sinner and mm. like kind of come out in the same way that Paul is coming at the Jews here. Mm. It's like, it, it does matter. Obviously we're not going to say you're a sinner uh, in that, in that tone it takes tone theology and timing. But if you get what I'm saying, like there are so many obstacles and distractions in our society um, that are keeping people from, I think, recognizing uh, what salvation truly is and why we need it. Yep. And the, the the crazy thing about this is this isn't just happening to the Jews in their context. This happens to us and in, in our own hearts and in our own church so often today. I mean, there's just so many ways that communities as a whole, as us as individuals get uh, distracted by all those different things that you just mentioned, start to think higher of ourselves because of all those things that you just mentioned of I am doing well, I am being uh, a good person. And even we talked about this at one of our staff meetings this earlier this week, but here's all the ways that we can even boast in ourselves as, as followers of Jesus and think, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm doing pretty well. I'm starting, man, I am spending a long time in my quiet time. I like, did you see <laughs> how much money I'm giving away there? Like, did you see how nice I was to totally. that person? Like I gave up some of my time to help here. Yeah. And we start to think highly about ourselves and we start to focus on these external actions with these these external things and and jesus often was tearing those things apart in very strong ways talking about like you look like a whitewashed tomb Uh, on the outside you look good on the inside you're full of dead bones and and paul's echoing that here in verse 29 where he's he's talking about circumcision is about a circumcision of the heart you could even read the word salvation there salvation is salvation of the heart by the spirit, not the written code. And and it's easy for us to start focusing on these external factors when really um, there's something about the OST journey going on here that Paul, that Christ is interested in. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, I, I would love to hear more. Like, what do you think about that OST journey? Like, where does that start? How do you think it progresses as we are like experiencing that circumcision of the heart? Dude, I, I, that's a great question because it is so easy for us just to not even pay attention mm. to it. And and I think one of the things that the spirit is inviting us into often is a deeper level of transformation and actual ongoing spiritual transformation that doesn't just look like these internal actions, but, but Jesus is after our affections. And this is what we're talking mm. about when we're talking about joy in Jesus, that, that Jesus wants to actually change and transform us to where we go from being a greedy person to actually being somebody that wants to give our money and our resources away. And he wants to take us from being somebody who's angry and out of control to actually becoming a kind and gentle person. He wants us to take us from someone who is prideful uh, to somebody who, who lives and walks in genuine humility. Like the New Testament sets up this actual ongoing spiritual transformation of the heart. Uh, think about these verses from Ezekiel 34 where that talks about t- 36 taking a heart of stone and turning it into a heart yeah. of flesh and things like that. And oftentimes we're just so dang busy. Mm-hmm. I just know for myself, I'm running so fast. I'm just caught up in so many different distractions that I'm not even paying attention to what is actually going on in the heart. Um, but what does that look like for us by the Spirit as Paul says here, verse 29, to go through a circumcision process of the heart 
um, that is, I think, a transformation process. Yeah. And I think applying that to myself, like what that looks like is spending a ton of time with the black felt and mm. I drew a few weeks ago. It was just giving us those, those pieces of black felt. Um, and I keep it on my desk where I do my devotionals and it's like such a good reminder to sit in your sin. I think yeah. not to, you know, sulk, but to sit in it and to actually think, no, actually the, the, um, more depraved I am, the more I can recognize how actually sucky Jake is, mm. like the greater that grace is. Um, and it's not even uh, creating more like of that sin or creating more grace. It's just acknowledging or seeing and re- being revealed more of the grace that, that's already there, the abundant grace. It's a desperate, dependent lifestyle that we are um, by the Spirit trying to live. Yeah, yeah, so good, so good. Hey, well, listener, whether you are working at the gym, cleaning the house, mowing the lawn, going to the coffee shop, whatever you like to do while listening to podcasts, we hope you feel equipped, encouraged, and ready to walk through the text with your group this week. Yeah, and as always, do your own prep. Let the Spirit lead you and know that you are one who is sent by God this week to your family, your school, your work, your coffee shop, to the gym, and to soccer practice. Wherever you pray, your Pray Watch community might be, and wherever God invites you to go, where you are sent to be the living proof of our loving God. We love you all. We'll catch you next time on the Text Lab.